Hello, everyone. Welcome to 15 Minutes, a podcast about fame, episode 44. I'm Jamie Berger. My guest this episode is Josh Johnson, a young comedian who is having a big year. He arrived in New York just a couple years ago from Chicago. Since then, he's both written for and been a guest on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. He was one of the Just for Laughs Festival's new faces last year. And his first album, I Like You, came out three weeks ago on Comedy Central Records. And he's got his first solo special on Comedy Central in the fall. I'm recording this intro on Wednesday evening, August 16th, 2017. Just a few days after the horrific and tragic events in Charlottesville and the ensuing horrific and tragic behavior of our president. I'm just letting you know that that's when and where I am today um, because, because I feel it's important to say it. But also, I feel like if Josh and I had spoken this week instead of last, at the point when we got to talking about political comedy, I think the conversation would have taken a very different turn. But maybe that's for the best, because I also think we would have had a lot less fun. Here is my conversation with Josh Johnson. We talked on the phone last week. Hello, Josh Johnson. Hi, how's it going? All right, how are you? I'm doing well. want to start by saying that I'm about, what, you'll be the 44th episode, and you're the first person who I don't either know personally or was a huge fan of before. So I've done more homework than usual, so I know a lot more about you than you know about me. Uh, That's nice of you. Well, it was really fun. I've listened to the album a few times. I found all kinds of stuff. There was a good article. One thing that as I as I looked into you, I was like, you never. It took me a while to see where you were from, and mm-hmm. and finally you did. I, I found a, a a bit you did about about Louisiana, but Katrina being the girlfriend. And then I thought, well, maybe he's not really from Louisiana. That was just from the joke. But then just this morning, I realized you're still representing with the three one eight area code. Yeah, I often confuse people on that because, like, I start in Chicago, so I sort of, like, you know, people ask where I'm from, and when they say from, they usually mean, like, where you start doing comedy, so I end up saying Chicago. Yeah, and you were doing you were doing theater there, too. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit of, like, stuff, uh, theater, and, and uh, a little bit of improv and everything. Yeah going down there and are you mostly just focusing on the stand-up this last yeah 
for the most part, yeah, the last last couple of years. It seems like you're you're having a pretty big year. Uh, yeah, right. You got the album, and the half hour comes out. Um, the uh, a few weeks ago, I was talking to uh, Kurt Brownaller. I had he had an hour special, uh, and he talked about it. And you know, I, I think you know we're. I'm double your age. He's somewhere in between us. But we both grew up in a time when when you have your Comedy Central special, that's it. You know, you're 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 a made man in a sense. And Kurt talked about how, you know, proud he was of doing it and how, you know, it's a great resume thing and he's 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 doing great. He's got two 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 shows that are that are signed um to do, but it was like a vacuum. Like you don't suddenly have millions of people seeing you anymore. Uh, so I want to prepare you now <laughs> for the disappointment. No, that, that isn't my point, but it's like, it, it, <laughs> it, uh, so, uh, is that recorded? Uh, yeah, we already taped it. Comes out October, Friday the 13th. Ah, perfect. Mm-hmm. Where'd you tape it? Um, New Orleans, which was great. Cause, it was like a lot of my high school college friends were able to come through. Yeah, I was wondering about that with the album too. You recorded that in Ann Arbor, right? Um, oh, it was actually Madison. I'm sorry. Whoops. One of the gigantic Midwest schools. Uh, mm-hmm. So was New Orleans just convenient, and you because you wanted a lot of family and friends to be able to make it? Well, that's where they're pretty much doing the series and everything. Oh, oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, so everyone's was in in New Orleans, uh, which was absolutely convenient for the sake of people who have wanted to see me since I started, since I started in Chicago and didn't really do it in Louisiana that much. Um, they got to see me for the first time and the first time it ended up being a big thing. Mm-hmm. Then why was the, why'd you choose the, uh, the, now I'm forgetting whether it's still forgetting whether it's Ann Arbor or, or Madison. Why did you choose that location for the, for the album? I mean, that's honestly one of the best clubs in the country with the best audiences and like best staff. And I mean, it's really, really great. And so uh, they're used to and know how to handle comedy albums because they've taped so many there. And so yeah, it sounds great. Yeah, it's a really, really special place to do it. And so I was reading some interviews and from what I read and what I what I see, it seems like, you you know, it seems like it's definitely not what you're about, but my question is now you're in New York and you're probably starting to get recognized now and then on the street. Are you after Fallon? Uh, very, very, very rarely. Uh, I feel like it's, it's also late night. Isn't quite, you know, that, that hallmark that it used to be where it's still a hallmark in, in our world, but it's not quite the hallmark of the general public that it used to be so yeah kurt was saying the same thing it's like once you get a couple good late night sets it used to be you were made but not anymore mm-hmm. so i guess my question is you know if you've experienced that at all how do you like it and do you want more or would you rather just be you know known and seen when you're on stage and invisible when you're off i i mean that's a great question i think that there is something about um the uh I like connecting with people and I think that there's something to be said for the connection that you make when people 
feel like they know you a little bit and that little bit might come from, you know, seeing you on something or just seeing you at the show. There, there's very little difference between doing really, really well at a live show. Um, and then someone coming up to you after the show and then doing really well on a TV spot. And then someone coming up to you on the street because both experiences, they feel like they watched you and they know of you at least a little bit. And then from there, it's easier to, you know, make this connection with a person. I mean, it's also coming from a perspective where it's not like I'm a politician or anything where I could do something that they can interpret in a certain way of why I did it or something like that. Like they could definitely not like a joke I did and then project a bunch of things onto me why I told that joke. But luckily that doesn't really happen. How much are you uh, on the road? Uh, I'm good. I'm on the road a good bit. I'll be on the road more this fall. It looks like uh, for a few weekends, like, at the end of the month, I'm going to be at the High Plains Comedy Festival. And then from there, I'll be in the Funny Bone in St. Louis and the Vermont Comedy Club. And Oh, Vermont? Yeah, yeah. Vermont's going to be dope. It's probably in Burlington, which is... I'm in, I'm in Western Massachusetts, so I'm close to parts of Vermont, but Burlington's like four hours away. Oh, yeah. And, the, but, and that's the big college town, so I'm guessing that's where you're going to be. Yeah, and I mean... I don't know. I just, I'm, I've only been to Vermont like two or three times, but I really love it over there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I moved here a dozen years ago after I, I, I took the, you know, I've never lived outside a city in my life and now I've been here 12 years and, you know, I get down to the city for a few days. I'll go down in the fall and, uh, uh, for a comedy festival for Eugene Merman's final comedy festival this fall. And then, I, and then I'm happy to go back to my little town. It's I never thought. Are you from a small town? Uh, I mean, Alexandria is not like too small. It's still a, a city, but it feels much smaller than it probably is. It was very sweet. I'm sure you hear this all the time. Seeing your English teacher in the in the in the house. Yeah, Mr. Ward taught me. He well, he actually taught me. I think I had him for like three years in a row because he taught me world history. He taught me geography. He coached quiz bowl. <laughs> and I think I had him for one more subject. Um, so, yeah, I think I had Mr. Ward almost more than any teacher I've ever had. Yeah, he's dope. He came to see me in Chicago when I was terrible. Oh, really? <laughs> Did he give you notes? No, no notes. Just just uh, blind love and support. Uh, uh, that's, that's, a, that's a great thing. Yeah, he, he came through when I was in Chicago and... Uh, I mean, he still was in Louisiana, so like, I think he happened to be in Indiana at the time and was like, hey, if you have a show, I'll come to Chicago and see it. And I was like, you know, sort of like half over the moon because he was going to, you know, come out and everything, but then half like very realistic about how good I was at the time. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, okay, this might be rough. But you, were, you, were, you weren't like, oh, don't come. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I I'm not ready yet. Yeah. No, no, I, I I wanted to see him more than I would have been embarrassed. And I I think I had, like, you know, a good set that night. It was just, like, I couldn't have been more than than a year and a half in. Yeah, yeah. That that blind love and support, uh, I remember reading you talking about in one interview, and you talked about uh, a comic in Chicago who died. Uh, yeah, here, yeah. Michael Shapiro, and how you, you maybe didn't get yeah. to tell him how much you... Uh, I don't know any. Who is he? Was he was he a long time? 
he was a he was a comic. Um, I don't know how long he had been doing it by the time we met, mm-hmm. but he hosted this mic uh, was called uh, the the American Dream open mic, and like I had a couple shows with him, and he ran a couple shows actually, and like even as he was, it, it's such a crazy thing because even as he was passing, he he kind of knew um, that he was sick and everything, mm-hmm. but he didn't really tell people that much, and he didn't really like put it out there and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just kind of kept coming to shows, kept running the mic and like all the way up until he passed. And it was, it was one of those things that was just so crazy to see how this dude handled something that's like literally the biggest, like the biggest thing. And he, he, you know, not only handled it with like so much grace and everything, but he also was just like still a pal while mm-hmm. it was happening. Like I feel like most people would, you know, I feel like you would, you would freak out or you would, you yeah. would be like, I'm not going to host this, this, this mic or this, <laughs> this, do yeah. this show yeah. or, you know, like, like I'm not going to watch somebody go and do a sloppy five minutes. Like, yeah. but he was, he was still there for everybody. And I felt like, you know, yeah, I, uh, still to this day will like tell people like, oh man, my buddy had this joke that was like, brilliant and everything and like you know I'm, i maybe don't get into the story but if it comes up in conversation like i just i really loved his style and i like i really enjoyed watching him go up and he had like some jokes that are still my favorite to this day cool i'll see if i can find any clips does this the whole idea of of uh of expressing you know love for people have to do with the album title at all yeah, a little bit, because it was, like, one of the hardest things for me uh, to say growing up. Like, it was hard for me to, to like, put into words. There were people, they, like, it, it's kind of a thing with guys and girls, because it's, like, it's hard to tell a girl that you like her, but it's also, <laughs> like, hard to just tell a guy that you're, like, hey, I, like, I feel like for men, it's just, like, mm, I guess I'm just going to, like, test. The, the friendship test is just going to be when I need you, you know? Cause like men don't really have this ritual of like, Hey, I, I really like you. We're like friends, right? Like that, that's not a conversation that dudes really have. And, and I feel like it was one of those things that's also just kind of a, like a, a warm introduction. I feel like everyone's so serious now that like, it feels a little bit better to just, you know, be relaxed and be chill and be like, I, I like you and I hope you like this. And so like, it's more of a, of an opening statement. Nice. I, I like it a lot. And, and the picture with it, it's, it's just a very, yes, it is very welcoming and warm, but it's like, is he being sarcastic? And then you really quickly realize you're not. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. I actually get a lot of, uh, a lot of flack from people thinking I'm being sarcastic over the phone even. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm so monotone sometimes yeah. that, that people are like, are you mad? I'm like, no, have yeah. a great day. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I say that to my wife almost every night. because, And she's not mad. I want to put that out there. Because after nine at night, she just becomes, she's asleep, but walking around and doing stuff. And so she becomes very monotone. And I'm always like, like 10, years, 10 years in, I'm like, are you mad? She's like, and then she gets mad. Yeah, yeah. That's how it goes. Yeah. Speaking of the monotone stuff, I mean, I assume over the years you've worked with like coaches and gotten feedback and I've seen all, you know, so many different little bits of sets or beginnings of sets and you always start really low 
and it works. But has anybody ever tried to make you start higher energy? A little bit, a couple times. I think that what ends up happening is you, you, you know, some of the best advice I ever got about stand up was uh, from a friend in Chicago named Kyle Scanlon. He actually runs the Whiskey Journal, which is super dope. It's a, it's a satirical news website, but it's really, really funny and it's older than all these like pop up things. But uh, he took me on the road. I think I, it was the first time I ever did 20 minutes was when he took me um, on the road with him. And he said that stand-up is a lot like just having a conversation. If you were to get a ticket for a Greyhound bus and then you get on that bus and you sit down next to someone, you wouldn't open up that conversation with, I think about, you know, I think about blowing stuff up sometimes. Like you wouldn't, <laughs> you would never do that, you know? So you'd sit down and be like, hey, my name is Josh. What's your name? And then as you get to know them, you know, two hours into this, uh, into this bus ride, you can finally get to know each other well enough that you're like, you know what? I think about blowing up stuff sometimes. And they might be like, me too, you know? And, and you, you sort of ingratiate yourself with them. And I think that sometimes uh, by starting off, like it's a real conversation, like just like, just like, hey, it's all right. I'm not a monster. <laughs> like, because I, I feel like even though I'm not offensive, I do talk about things that people could get a little antsy about, like a little like tense about. And I think that in within that, though, by starting low and by, by telling a lot of like background uh, sort of safer stories first, I open them up to the fact that like, look, you can trust me. I'm about to talk about a thing that may be uncomfortable, but I'm not crazy, you know? And then once you both realize you, you both want to blow stuff up, you say, I like you, and you start hatching, pl hatching plans. <laughs> <laughs> Even doing this uh, over, you know, usually it takes 10 minutes before... I think, you know, because I'm, you know, I'm still learning this, so I'm, I don't think I'm that comfortable, and if they're not if the person I'm talking to isn't that used to it, they're not either. And then by a few minutes in, we're both having a better time. And then we blow shit up. Yeah, right. <laughs> I always ask people the general question of like, so when you were told you were going to be on this, did it make you think anything about fame and your, your feelings about it? I, I honestly think I'd have to be famous to think about fame. Uh, you know, I think that, for for all the good things that are going on and for all the good places that the album's sitting at and everything, I can still just comfortably walk into a comedy club and nobody know who I am. So I feel like, you know, I, I think I'd have more thoughts on fame as 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 fame came, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I feel like a lot of people dream of, of, of having it be different when they walk into the club, but I don't think a lot of people are happy once they get to that point where they can't just stroll in. You know, I, I, yeah, I feel like it's a, it's a double-edged sword because it's like, you're never, um, uh, you're never alone, but you're probably lonely, you know? Cause like if people are always approaching you and stuff, it's like, uh, you know, I, I was talking with a friend about how like a big comic, like a, like a really big famous comic, right? They could put out like, they could put out an okay album. And it would still do really, really well because of who they are. Whereas if, if someone putting out like the best special or the best album with the best jokes, but no one like knows or cares who they are, then it's like, you know, 
it's going to sell and be seen accordingly. And I think that that's a part of fame too, where like people are running up to you and they're like, I love you and whatever. It's like, they don't really, that's so uh, disingenuous because it's like, they don't even love you because they don't even know if you're doing your best, you know, like they, like, like you, you become such an entity that like just you being there is the story, you know, it's not really about whether it's good or not. Yeah. And as that person, I know, I just, I always feel this, maybe it's just me rationalizing. Cause I, you know, of course we all have fantasies, but I feel like I would stop knowing whether what I did was any good or not. Like forget about an album, a famous person, you know, when a famous person has retweeted something about an episode of this, you know, a zillion people like it, but they don't know what he's tweeting, you know? And, yeah. and, and, uh, so even as, as little as a tweet, everybody's going to roar with laughter. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, so I think that some of it isn't real for the people doing it and isn't real for the person. So, but. uh, how is the album doing? I, I, I don't know about charts and these things for, uh, I mean, it, it, it debuted very well. It debuted number four on iTunes, and it uh, is on Billboard right now at number 11. Terrific. And how many weeks? Uh, two or three or four? Let's see. I mean, it came, out, it came out on the 28th, which was maybe like two weeks ago. Cool. Did I see you were doing a... Uh, evening a full length a theater set somewhere i mean a set of comedy in a theater in in the city yeah i had a one man show coming up next thursday and um that's the like next big thing i'm gearing up for and putting a lot of energy into and everything and as a one man show is it more of a like a through narrative or is it just a one you know you you're just just your stand up is it is, is it a story is it like a yeah, it's for uh, this storytelling festival called Speak Up, Rise Up, and it's uh, more of a storytelling than it is a stand-up, because it's basically all of my old dating stories, <laughs> and, and like how rough it's been. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's, I wish, I, is, is it going to be recorded? It's going to be recorded. We're going to, we're going to tape it, so... Uh, that's that's another part of it too. Why I'm putting so much energy into it is because it'll be taped. So then, not only does the material have to be great, but like, want to pack that theater, you know? That's great. Well, good luck with that. Oh yeah, appreciate it. Another that sounds really fun because I like your 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 dating stuff is really funny. I'm gonna ask. I forget uh, Jess or whoever it was if I can use a. I like the the choking clip the bit. Oh yeah. But, yeah, I really like that. <laughs> uh, thank you, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to see if I can put that in right here. Give it up for Josh Johnson! Cool. <laughs> I've never been here before. Do you guys party? <laughs> is it just me, or is the mark of a good party always something bad happening? 
Like, no one's ever like, oh my gosh, that was a great part last night. We all drank just enough, got home safe, and woke up in time for breakfast. That's never the description, ever. It's always like, great party, Bill died. Great party. That's a fantastic party. Somebody about to call Bill Mama. He did, I'll talk to Bill like that, but great party. The first time I ever went to a fraternity party and a girl twerked on me. I, uh, I fell down because I wasn't ready. She was just backing up. I had time to bend my knees or catch a wall. She's like, oh, but great party though. I did get to go on a date, which was big for me. I don't, I don't get to go on a lot of dates because I don't know how to talk to people. The only reason that this even works is because uh, I come, I talk, you don't, I leave. Like. <laughs> If this were a conversation, I'd, I'd be sweating way more. <laughs> but I got to go on this date, and uh, it was wonderful. You know, went to dinner, then went to a movie, and then went back to my place. Okay, and guys, I'm gonna I'm I'm go there with you. I'm gonna get a little nasty, all right? Uh, we were kissing, okay? We were kissing, all right? <laughs> what do y'all know about this kissing? And so... In the middle of kissing, she tells me that she wants me to choke her. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I have arthritis in my hands. So I couldn't talk up how I was about to choke her. I'm about to choke her. She's about to find out about me, you know? So I was trying to talk up how bad I was gonna choke her, make her feel like she was still into it, you know? So I was like, baby, I'm gonna choke you, all right? Cause that's what you want, cause that's what you need. But it will feel like a turtleneck. There's nothing I can do about this. <laughs> baby, I'm gonna choke you, yes, be choked is choking time, okay? I'm even shake your head and scream in your face while I choke you but you will feel safe the entire time. <laughs> and one thing I read, I, I read, you talked about a writing partner, and that also made me think about this thing I'm doing because people have these silent partners who, ne who you know, I assume fairly often don't ever want to be in the spotlight. But you know, people mention my agent, my writing partner, but hardly ever say their names unless they're accepting an award. Mm-hmm. So yeah, have you, have you had a partner that, for a long time? Um, not for stand-up, uh, just really for, like, pilots and, and certain writing, like, original pieces, projects and stuff. I think that it's been good to have someone to bounce things off of and somebody that I can trust to also care about the project. Because, I don't know, there's just so much going on that only you as the person doing it probably care about. And that, that just becomes exhausting after a while. And then some people, you know, some people are like that. Some people are very much in the realm of, you know, uh, 
I want to do this thing, but I don't want anything distracting me, including, you know, shame or, or any sort of unnecessary attention. And, you know, but those are the sort of like JD Salingers of the world. There are people who let it get in their way because they want it so bad. And there are people who let it get in their way because they want, they hate it so much. Uh, but, but you seem like it's just, you know, you seem like you really just enjoy doing your thing. So it sounds like it won't, it won't, it won't mess you up, man. I mean, I, you know, hope so. <laughs> <laughs> are there any though, uh, like heroes that you would want to, you know, respect your work or, or be like, Hey, I just saw, you know, if, if so-and-so like said on TV or tweeted, I just saw this guy, Josh Johnson, and he was fantastic. Are there any people that you think of in your, in your whole world that you'd be like, wow. Yeah. You know, I think it's like, it's like a, a Conor McGregor or Kanye West or like, not even really comics as much as just people whose work I've always enjoyed. Uh, that would be insane because then it would be, you know, it would cross platforms. It's not really, I feel like, you know, as a, as a comedian that watches other comedians, it's just after a while you do appreciate uh, everyone's jokes for what they are. You start to see their jokes for more of what they are. So it's like, as you know, as cool as, as a shout out would be from a bigger comic, I think that, it would still just, you know, revalidate a lot of the things that I happen to believe about myself and about comedy and stuff. And it's like, it, it, it's sometimes I find it like redundant whenever a comic has to be co-signed by other comics, just because I think it's, it's a little not, I, I don't know. Okay. It's like when you were in school and you were writing a paper and you had to have a point to your paper, you had to have an argument, and then you had to cite your argument with sources. <laughs> I always hated that part, because it was like, I'm, I'm right, so why do I need to find other people that just agree with me? Like, I'm right, so why do I need to cite, yeah, that, that dude, if anything, I should be a doctor, because I had to track down a doctor to say what I was already saying <laughs> for you to believe it, yeah. but I'm right, you know? Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't wait on a fireman to be like, yes, there is a fire in here. If someone yelled fire, you'd leave, you know? And I, and I feel like for comedy, it's almost the same thing. That's like, I, that, that's a funny person. It's weird that we all needed this other person to validate them for us to laugh, which you should be doing as a reaction anyway. Those are two great choices you just popped out with. Uh, because Kanye, it's interesting. It's like, uh, a bump from Kanye would be bigger than a, than a Comedy Central special in a way in this world we live in today. Oh yeah, easily. I feel like that's crazy. In a in a weird way, he he would catapult without even knowing it. You know, without even like trying to do it. Uh, being Kanye, he might know it, <laughs> and that's all right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he might be like, I'm gonna change this guy's life. Yeah. <laughs> and Conor McGregor, is he like a a, a a small person inspiration? Uh I mean he's not I mean he's pretty tall, but he's uh Oh is he? Oh, okay. He's he's a one fifty five er so those aren't the biggest dudes fighting though. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, yeah. Yeah. Uh but no, I I think I think that we share a lot of the same mindsets on on life and on 
career if you if you really pay attention to what he's doing and what he said about what he's doing. I think that even past any any uh showmanship or bravado, there's a lot of calculated action there. I think that you know, I think the game recognized game and so if he were to give me a shout out it would be just another uh pinpoint that I'm like headed in the right direction, you know. That's that's interesting. Well I, I'm I'm kind of spacing on when's the fight? It didn't happen yet. No, it hasn't happened yet. It's uh it's um what is it? What is it? August twenty sixth. I was in Vegas for a couple of days and right when they had the press conference and people were going nuts. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so do you think he's got a shot? Absolutely. I think mean, I think he's got more of a shot than people think. I think that you can know everything there is to know about boxing and and inevitably age is gonna play a factor and age is his biggest uh advantage, you know, and just turn twenty nine or something. Yeah, he just turned twenty nine. Floyd Mayweather is forty. And, you know, those 10 years make a big difference. You're talking about an entire decade where you're not quite running as fast. You're not quite dodging as fast. Like, he's still, you know, the most skilled defensive boxer in the history of the world, but he's also human. And I feel like if you, if you, if you come up against someone who's, like, young and hungry and not actually a boxer, I feel like it's also to his advantage that he's not a boxer because I think that sometimes you can have a mindset that is too disciplined into to your field. And so you think about things in certain parameters where if you just walk in a crazy man, you don't, you don't, you don't box like normal people box because you're not a boxer, you know? So it's like, it's his biggest disadvantage, but I also think it's his biggest advantage because like, you know, Floyd's not used to fighting somebody that might, I'm not even saying he's going to kick. I'm just saying like, what if he just in the middle of the fight raises his knee? That's going to, that looks like he's gonna kick. That's gonna that's gonna make Floyd wonder what's going on. No boxer would do that, you know. So just with the raise of his knee, he could, he might get a little space from Floyd if he needs it. Because Floyd might think he's gonna kick, you know. And and so I think that it's also a mixing of the two most dangerous combat sports. You know, MMA is everything, and boxing is so specific that I think that it's gonna be. A really interesting fight. I think that he's, if, if you know, if Connor tries to be a boxer, then yeah, he's done. But I feel like if he embraces, you know, his his background, I think that an MMA stance and a boxing stance, boxing, you know, they 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 stand a certain way, and their feet are a little closer together. MMA, their feet are a little further apart, and that already creates about three inches of distance at least from your opponent's reach. You know, so I mean, there 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 are factors in here that that people don't want to address because it's kind of just easier to say like, he's not a boxer. He's going to lose. That's the best boxer ever. He's going to win. And then if it were MMA, it'd be, you know, the reverse and everything. But I, I think that being open to these possibilities is what is, what is important in a mindset. You know, it's the, the same way that people might say like, Oh, well, you're an unknown comic and you're, you're, you're releasing your first album, there's no reason for it to be on Billboard. There wasn't any reason for it to be on Billboard, and it's on Billboard, you know? So I think that the, thinking about things as if they can, you know, as if they're at least a possibility, creates a mindset that is, uh, 
that is more beneficial to you as a person. Because if you're just out here being realistic, then you're just going to be stuck. Do you think there's anything about what you do that's uh, 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 like raising a knee or taking a weird stance that's making it succeed? Uh, you know, I think, yeah, I think, I think that uh, uh, to a degree, I really try to give people the benefit of the doubt, which is one of the reasons I'm not necessarily a political comic at all, because I think that if I were born to a different family at a different time with a different brain, I'd be whoever that person is, you know, like I look at people, like I look at, you know, someone like you and it's like, look, if I were, if I were like, you know, your age of where you live was from your background, I'd probably be exactly you. So if you have some, some, some different, you know, mindset on something or you have some difference of opinion or something, I can't really blame that because, you know, not saying that you can't make your own decisions, just saying that like, I don't have any of your experiences. And even if I did have those experiences, I don't come from your family. And even if I came from your family, I don't have your genes, you know, like, like people, people, you know, like to box people into these specific categories to the human brain is lazy. You know, we don't, we don't actually want to think about things critically. That's, that's exhausting. And so boxes are a little bit easier and, and, and in not playing the boxes, I think it opens up the possibilities for both my stand up and for me as a person to be liked by a, a wider range of people than someone who's just saying the, the normal, you know, everyday, like, uh, Trump's an idiot. Uh, 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 I hate North Korea. Like, like I don't know. It, it, you know, there there are things that become tropes. Where it's like, even though everyone's willing to laugh, we all kind of uh, under our breath know who's playing to the tropes, and not. And I think that on a long enough timeline, that does lead to you being someone very special, almost like a Chappelle or something. Where it's like. You know, I went to see him and Chris Rock at Radio City, and it was like, it was amazing because they were talking about both everyday things and very specific things in a way that I promise you no one else was going to be talking about. So it's, even though, you know, even though I've had thoughts that I feel like are, are very unique, maybe they're not. And instead of like clinging to what I think is unique, I need to be more obvious about you know, what, what actually is and what, um, what isn't. I think that if you ever have a brilliant idea that you think is sick, just crazy and new and no one's ever thought of it before, you should try Googling it first because <laughs> yeah, chances are it exists. And if it doesn't exist, then you're on to something. You should move on it immediately. And I, and I feel like in standup, it works the same way where it's like, I've had bits that, you know, were, were things that I wrote really early on and now I've moved to New York and someone who I've never met before tells almost the same joke. And it's like, look, they don't know me. I don't know them. And they don't, they were never there the four times that I did this joke. So like, it must just not be as creative as I thought it was. The other day, a comic tweeted, yeah, never read the comments unless you're making a comment. Cause like a thousand fucking people have already made that comment. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and I'll credit him at in the in the intro or outro to this. I can't remember who it was, but I thought that was a good point. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, shoot, there was one other thing relating to the McGregor stuff. Oh, just a little story of my own. When I was in in, in Las Vegas, I took an Uber, and my driver was like a, uh, an amateur world champ who was making his you know way up as a as a boxer. He's a sparring partner in Merriweather. And he, he's not sparring with him for this fight because uh, he's a he's not a lefty. And McGregor's a lefty. Is that right? Southpaw? 
Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. but it's like such a small world. You hop in a cab. Right. <laughs> really weird. That is crazy. Uh, and it was interesting you brought up the like being political or not, because it was a question I kind of had, because there are some people who just, they just can't help it. You know, I, was, I think you know, like Harry Kondabolu. Yeah, and I think I think that's fair. You know, I think I think some people can't help it because that's who they are. And I feel like if I were a person that came from, you know, a place where political action in the form of protesting or in the form of, you know, civil disobedience seemed to be my only recourse, then that's what I'd be doing. But I I feel like I'm I'm also from a place where I've seen that. You know, if it's unorganized enough, it doesn't work at all. How noble the cause, and if it's uh, if it's not the right time, it doesn't get enough traction. So, like, you know, I, I I feel like these different people come from from such different places that you know a lot of times people agree too. That's the, that's the other thing is that I think that people agree more often than than they realize or they want to realize because. You know, we all have a different way of wording things. And in that different way of wording things, you know, it sounds like there might be an argument. And some people, honestly, like the struggle more than they like the, the results. You know, some people, some people are big fans being out there and screaming all the time. And it's like, look, that's also fine because we need those people in the world. But, but recognize that it's not always about screaming. And sometimes you get what you want. <laughs> and then it's kind of like, a weird, I mean, I, I, it, it's like, it's like if you're having a fight with somebody, you know, you're having a fight with your friend or with, or with your wife or something. And then you just apologize immediately. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing that like, <laughs> there's nothing that throws people off more than that because they, they already had an argument in their head. They already practice everything they're going to say. So now they're just a bunch of pent up energy. I've definitely had people get, get mad for, for me apologizing. Like, I'm not done with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like apologizing too soon. Yeah. Yeah. I need to take you to task for that thing that you did, you know, and, and to a degree, sure. To a degree, I, I get where they're coming from, but also, you know, some people really like the yelling more than they even want the apology or, or want things to change. And, and, you know, there are people that are always that way. And, and to a degree, we need those people too. There are people in the world that are just professional malcontents that like, whether it's Trump or Obama or Bush, they're upset. And it's like, I mean, there's always going to be people that are disadvantaged. So I guess we need those people, you know, yelling at whoever's in power too. But I also think, I, I don't think people deep down want to fight, you know? I think that and that's not we're you. all just kind of trying to have a good time. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's just not really me. And, like, and I, I guess I get it. I try to, like, you know, I try to put myself in their shoes and be like, okay, if I were, you know, if I were something different, you know, if I wasn't just a black guy, if I were, like, you know, like a trans black man or, or if I were a woman or, or something like that, I might feel very different about everything that's going on. But I also feel like how you feel about things and how things actually are rarely line up, you know, like the same thing with being super upset with somebody. It's like, you may be super upset with somebody that wants to apologize immediately, you know? So it's like, is there really that that much of a need to be upset? Because they're going to feel so bad that they made you feel bad that, do you really want to yell at them? I, and I feel like people do that a lot in comedy where it's like, I'm just going to talk to the people 
that feel exactly how I feel. And that's going to be my audience. And that makes sense for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, a, lot of, a lot of comments are out there just kind of like saying what people in their circle want to hear. And that's fine because especially if it's funny, nobody can knock it, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think that for me, I just, I come from, you know, so many different backgrounds wrapped into one that I think that there's, there's more to it than that. Yeah. Especially in, in a, in a time when, and I'm guilty of it, of ranting and raving and being extremely mad these days about things like Trump. But when I've watched your sets and watched the audiences and you are, you, you make bridges, you know, <laughs> you're, you're, you're connecting with people in that way where we yell at each other online, but in person we'd find something to talk about, even if you're, you know, ostensibly a racist, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that that's a good thing. But I also think the thing you mentioned about if I was a trans woman or if I was whatever, and you're like, I'm just a black guy. Well, these days, a lot of black guys, you know, feel very threatened. But you also, you seem to be, from your work, you're coming from a place where it's a little odd and that you're not a threatening person when people see you in the world and you talk about that, you know. And that's, yeah. and that's, yeah. that's, a, that's a bridge. Like, yeah, you don't, you, you, won't, you don't cross the street when you see me and that's good. And that's good. Now think about the other people you do cross the street. Yeah, absolutely. And like, and you know, don't think that sometimes the people that you cross the street for don't also cross the street for somebody. I think that we're a lot more alike in those ways than we'd like to admit because it's always the person that's talking about, you know, whatever sort of bigotry is out there that forgets that they're probably part of some type themselves. So it's one of the reasons to not take yourself so seriously because you're probably going to get trapped in one of your own pitfalls, you know? Well, on that note, on that, uh, warning note, we're sending out, uh, I hope I get to catch you live sometime in the next year and down the city or something. I'll, I'll keep looking out. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, great to talk to you. Great luck. I uh, look forward to the special and stuff. All right, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Take care. All right, you too. Bye. You can find Josh Johnson on Jimmy Fallon by looking at the show notes for this episode or by searching for their two names. You can find out much more about Josh at therealjoshjohnson.com, spelled in the traditional Josh and Johnson fashion. And if you Google him, you can find some great video clips. You can buy his album, I Like You, on iTunes. And you should look for his half-hour Comedy Central special this fall. Everything you want to know about this show is at 15minutesjamieberger.com. That's 1-5-M-I-N-U-T-E-S-J-A-M-I-E-B-E-R-G-E-R.com. And if you want to read, if you actually want my thoughts on the state of our nation, just look for me on Facebook. In the last two days, I've had way too much to say. Maybe not too much. It feels like a lot to me right now. 
And you know, I get comments from people wanting me to talk more about politics, but I don't imagine that's most people because, especially on uh, Thursday, August 17th, when this is going to come out, we are all burnt the fuck out this week. But I will say this much. It used to be kind of a truism that you don't compare anyone to Hitler because there's nothing that can compare to Hitler and you shouldn't compare anything to Hitler. But it's time to start comparing things to Nazi Germany and Hitler. So if you want to read a rant about that, look for me on Facebook. I wish you all the best and I wish you all the ability to step up and speak your truth because it's really important to do so right now. While a record 67% of Americans, I believe it was most recently, disapprove of the president at this early state, early point in his tenure, there are still 33% of people in this country who do not disapprove of him. Most of you know one or two of those people, some a lot more. They are not all deplorable people. They are being misled, and they need to know how you feel. Oh, and that tweet I mentioned in the conversation that you should never read the comments unless you're writing a comment because you're probably leaving the same fucked up comment somebody else uh, left was by Paul F. Tompkins. <laughs> As I resisted saying to Josh when we talked when he talked about writing term papers, you have to cite your sources. This is 15 minutes. I'm Jamie Berger. Jamie Berger.